Welcome to Breakthrough Brands. You are listening to The Conscious Business Show, bringing purpose, profit, and prosperity into your life and business with your host, Joe Dalton. Welcome to Breakthrough Brands. Thanks for having me. Yes, tell me this. You've had a colourful life, indeed. Yeah, very colourful. Yes, uh, we met at an event, probably, was it before Christmas? Uh, it was, it was uh, Leslie Feeger, wasn't it? And, yeah. and Declan Dowling. That's right, yes. Yeah, we Metamorphous. Met, Metamorphous, that's it. We met Fantastic that. event. Yes, and uh, we, we had lunch and you were telling me your story and I was going, my jaw was hitting the ground. I went, I need to speak to this this wonderful person on, <laughs> on radio. Where did your life begin? Where did my life begin? My life began, uh, I suppose, in the inner city in Dublin. Yeah. yeah. So so my parents, uh, my mother was from Gulliston and my father was from Pierce House. So my life would have began the early years in Pierce House, in um, just off Pierce Street. And then I was taken to the north side of Dublin to Ballymun. Shocking. <laughs> to become a north sider for a little while. Yeah, shocking. Terrible. Terrible, yes. <laughs> we were Irish town. Uh, yeah. So my father was Pierce Street as well, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where all the good people started in the, the inner city, huh? They did indeed. All those <laughs> entrepreneurs. All those entrepreneurs. And then we all got brought out to the north side and then the west side and the south side and... Moved around. Moved around. And then by teenage years, I was in Clondalkin. Clondalkin. How was your childhood? Uh, I suppose Irish, isn't it? Yeah. You know, Irish, very Irish, I suppose. You know, my family are not very close, you know. So I suppose I look at my, my life with my own children as extremely different to, I suppose, the life that I'd had grown up because... You know, I look at people I know that have had really hard lives and I've looked at people that have had very easy lives. And I would say that I've like like every parent, you make conscious decisions to do certain things differently. Like so I suppose I would try to have a better or a closer relationship with my own children. Which is important. I think we we try and do what we didn't or we feel our own parents didn't do with us. We try and do with our own kids and I think sometimes we forget as well that you know as parents that you know from our own parents their parents us as parents we're all trying our best and some some do better than others yeah yeah um, and you learn and you learn yeah. You know, your first one is wrapped up in cotton wool and your last one walks dragged around, up. dragged up, <laughs> dragged up. You know, father grand. I remember a neighbour once with three kids and they had the shears outside the garden, putting on a, on a, all standing on a wall. <laughs> and I was, went in and I went, oh my God. And she's, oh, they're fine. They're <laughs> <grand. laughs> you know, yeah. you know, so, The yeah, first one is not allowed to breed anyone else's air yeah. and the third one's allowed to climb trees and all. I, I remember, the, you know, the first one is like, you're cha- giving them the form and for the bottle of the milk and it's like everything is sterilised and it's like pouring it in it's radioactive and it touches everything you have to redo the whole thing again oh my god oh god they get germs and then the last one the bottle is rinsed under the sink and thrown at them give themselves their own bottle by the turn yeah yeah feed yourself yeah you're grand don't yeah 
<laughs> so you, your career path, you got into modelling. At a young age, would it be? No, no. Yeah. Actually, modelling is something that came. Uh, modelling or in the, the modelling industry is something that came purely by accident. Really? Yeah, okay. yeah. Purely by accident. Only in the last few years. Oh my god! My I was worked in the field of interior design for my whole life. Which is so different. So different, yeah. And, well, you would think it's so different, but it's actually not. Because what I learned from all of those years of going into people's homes, um, and especially when you're dealing with people who can afford an interior designer, okay? So they're the best people to learn from because, you know, they'll they'll do something when they mean something else. So I was going into homes, and some of them were very beautiful homes to start with before I was even doing anything to them. And what I learned from, from hundreds of people is that People will change the outside to try and fill a need or fill something that's missing on the inside. So, you know, where somebody will look for validation or will look for, I suppose, attention in something in the outside world, it's really because there's something a little bit empty or something that they're trying to work through on the inside. And, you know, what people think of your home or what people think of you, you know, you think that modelling and interiors is so so far apart but what I really found was that every home I went into people were nearly looking for a new friend or looking for somebody to to talk and to understand validation validation yeah and and I found that you know some of my best clients I actually learned from them and and their life stories yeah that's interesting because it, it is the validation on it isn't it it's trying to material goods that's exactly yeah, it. Yeah, Now, we all do want nice things and we all want to live a nice home. So there is that element of material goods. But sometimes you can chase. I know in my 20s and all, I was chasing material goods all the time. And that's, you know, it was that was the industry and the fast cars and the partying and everything. But as you get older, that changes. Do you know, there's, it, the difference is... Got wiser. It's, it's, yeah, but, but I think the difference is everybody wants to have, like you say, a nice home or a nice car or everybody wants to, to have nice things. It's when the nice thing is not enough. So you're constantly changing from one thing to another, but you're not really yeah. getting. But like, every, like every time I see you, you're changing your living room or changing your car. And it's not that you're getting a better one, you're just getting a different one. So yeah. when you feel the need to change for the sake of change, instead of because something is outdated because you've had it a long time or because there's a lot of miles on the clock or, you know, it's yeah. two years old yeah. and you're thinking financial financial sense. Yeah. So when you're cha- changing for the sake of change, just to keep, just to keep ahead, just to with constantly keep your mind off things and to keep up with the Joneses, that's, that's different. Yeah, that's the that's the ego and the mind yeah. and the self doubt kicking in where you need to change something because it's broken. That's okay, or you're ha- happy with it. Yeah, to change it on it. So, interior design, like, was it something that you got into in your teens or your twenties, or was it? Were you just? You obviously were curious about it. Well, I was very creative as a child and I was always in trouble because uh, there was always people knocking on the door and there was always the same complaint. Um, my child has no hair left because I wanted to be a hairdresser. So 
okay. <laughs> so there was always somebody knocking on the door because I'd have a scissors and I'd say, sure, I'll cut your hair. Yeah. <laughs> so I was always cutting people's hair and I loved makeup and I loved fashion. So by the time I was maybe 12, I had stopped cutting other people's hair and I'd given myself a few ropey hairstyles and then I started with the scissors and the clothes. So I was making clothes for myself or a change in clothes. I was just always creating or always drawing so I was always drawing pictures and cutting things up and making clothes so I always had a great eye I suppose or I always loved to be creative and I remember one time when I was about 13 I was after getting money for babysitting and I went down and I bought wallpaper in the wallpaper shop and my mother came home from doing her shopping and I was after wallpaper in the bedroom and throwing the carpet out the back garden and painting the floorboards black oh my god Oh God! Yes. <laughs> so I was, I was, I was very, I was always, always distracted uh, by doing things or being creative. So uh, I, I, I fell, fell into fashion because I was young and I left school early. I worked uh, with a guy, uh, Mohan Chabra, in uh, Liffey Street. It was a shop called Kai, and he had four or five different shops, and they did a lot of Indian tie dye. But he had a factory in India, so I didn't realise at the time. But this man gave me nearly a degree. In, in, in fabrics and in textiles because he would have explained all about different fabrics and how they were made and dyeing and I loved working there. That would have been the time when arnets were big and you yeah. know the buyers would go out and buy everything and to be a buyer in arnets was a huge was amazing. amazing yeah. 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 So I was working in, in, in Kai and it was I just loved fabric and I think that's how I went from fashion to interiors because I'd had my first child quite young uh, and on my own I was only 19 so in less than two years I had bought a house in Kildare and I was I was living in County Kildare and, and in those days when you went from Dublin to Kildare it was like going to the Arabian Desert you know you're going all the way down there so I didn't know what to do with myself and that's how I ended up working in interiors Wow Moving forward, and like you're, you know, we've, we've spoke a few times, and you're such a positive person, and you know what you're doing now, which we'll talk later on. You were in a, an accident that you were in hospital, you were a very bad accident, and what changed? What made you change your life from there on in? Uh, I think, well, what happened in the accident, there was a drunk driver overtaking two cars on a bend. So they went into me, and the cars behind me went into me, and it was quite a serious accident. And I realised a few months after the accident, I was still in the body brace and I was sitting up in the bed and I had this ugly looking nightdress on and a toothbrush. And I remember having this thought thinking, I wonder, did somebody buy me this toothbrush or am I just using somebody else's toothbrush? And I didn't care. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. I didn't care whose yeah. toothbrush I was using. But I remember it, it dawned on me then that I hadn't seen a television or heard a radio or looked at a newspaper or spoken to anybody outside my immediate circle in months. And I was happier in that moment than I had ever been in my whole life. Wow. And it dawned on me in that moment that really that all of the stress and all of the worry and everything we put on ourselves is because we allow those thoughts in and we concentrate so much on either what other people think even when we don't think we're doing that we we do it and we concentrate so much about you know how things will impact or affect the people around us that they're just like putting big it's like weighting down bricks it's like tying bricks you know tying strings around bricks and tying them around your body and dragging them around all day because we forget 
we forget our own we forget our own worth and we forget our own journey and we forget who we are and we get bogged down with all of the things that we learn and all of the people around us and we forget to just be. Yeah. We forget. Do you know, we all, we are. We're, we're all born, you know, equal, and somewhere along the way, yeah, it changes. That's it. We forget that. Yeah, I'm always fascinated. What age is that that it changes? Do you know, is it seven, eight, nine, ten? You know, that those little, and it's is it TV? That's is it your subconscious mind picking up from what your parents are saying, or is it what you're absorbing from TV or radio or other kids around? Well, well, the first know? the first six or seven years of our life, it's really about what other people put into us. We're sponges, yeah, so we're born right. oblivious, yeah. and then we learn and we're trained a way of thinking depending on what your background is or who you grow up with you know so all that information is put into us like sponges and then for the rest of our life all of our decisions and everything that we do really goes back to what's put into us in those few years so Mm. we think we're changing but we're not really so unless we go back and look at our subconscious all the conscious decisions we made are made from what is put into us in those few short years what age were you when you had the accident oh god I was 30 was I 36 37 36 so at that time of 36, 37, you, it was amazing that you, you must have been sort of realising, okay, there is something going on with my mind and I'm sick of this, to, to realise, holy shit, I'm having a really good time here, even though I'm head to toe in plaster. I feel like I've let go. I, I think that at the, for me personally, I suppose, I always felt that I'd struggled an awful lot through life. And... I always felt like an outsider looking in. And I think that I I was always trying to be something that I wasn't or trying to align myself to please other people. And just before the accident, I was at a stage where my marriage had broken up. Um, My husband had had an affair with a a girl who was in his his job, a much, much younger girl. Uh, You know, my my family relationships weren't, weren't fantastic. You know, my family wouldn't be particularly close. My business was going through hell because 2008 builders everywhere were going bust and I was a designer. So all of my work was in show houses and builders had no money. And it wasn't just a case of let's sue the builder. They didn't have it. And I worked with a lot of small builders. They didn't have it. There was no point making everyone's worlds worse. They didn't have it. So my business was struggling. I was struggling financially. My marriage had ended. So I was supposed at that space where I, if, if I'd have been... The dark night of the soul. I didn't even realise it. If I'd have had more thoughts or if I'd have been any cleverer, I would have found a bridge to jump off. But I hadn't even thought that far. I was just thinking, like, you know, things were just happening. I was just floating through, trying to get past each day and trying to survive each day. I had a six-year-old and a 16-year-old, so I was just winging it, trying trying to get by in life. And uh, the evening before my crash, I'd had an argument with my ex-husband. And I remember it as, as part of that thinking and saying, do you want me to be happy? Like, you know, there's no point in going on and on and on and going around in circles where really at the end of the day, the only thing that is important is happiness. Totally. You know, and I had realised that. And then the next day I went out and, you know, bang, Mm. just everything, you know, and where other people thought, oh, your life fell apart because you were very seriously ill and, you know, you were very injured and, you know, bones heal. And, and the doctors in this country and the hospitals in this country are amazing. They give you painkillers. It's great. 
you know yeah. they mind you it's it's fantastic um, and we have a system that in this, this this country that you know the government will make sure you're fed so air rock bottom here is not like rock bottom in Africa or in a different country you know air rock bottom in Ireland it's not, yeah, it's you not still will have a roof that. over your head and your but kids will get a dinner you know but people will still perceive the rock bottom to be rock bottom the end of the world yeah and it's it's the realisation when you kind of go it's all in my head yeah yeah that's exactly it's, it's it. It's all in my head. All those outer things are in my head. And if I can just dump them out and just live from within outwards, it's it's changing. That's it. And you see, well, you know, I used to feel like a fraud because everybody was saying after the after the crash, oh, God, lover, that's awful. And, you know, poor Audrey. And, you know, people were saying to me, I'm saying an Ovina or I'll say a prayer or I'm sending you best wishes or I'm sending me cards. And, and I felt terrible because, honestly, and I can honestly tell you for the first time in my life You felt free? I was free and I wasn't thinking and yeah. I didn't have to think about how other people thought and how this was going to affect other people for the very first time in my life I was able to breathe in and out and and just be it was amazing it was like giving me the lottery it was, it was just amazing <laughs> to realise that the world will turn regardless It's interesting because you were an interior designer you had this crash you got liberated. You realised that, you know, I could have died. I'm not dead. I have kids and life is now rosy or better. I understand the meaning yeah. of life. Let's call it that. How did you then, did you kind of line up your passion and your values and end up in, in modelling? The most shallow industry in the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, what I did after that was I went really down a road of self-discovery, I suppose. So I studied and I did uh, clinical hypnosis, NLP, CBT, some transactional analysis. You know, I, I studied to be a life coach. I, and all of these things I was doing was really to try and understand myself better and where I had come from and the fear of going back to how I was, I suppose, you know, and it was it was really about understanding. And I was asked to give a talk to plus size models, uh, confidence and self-esteem building for plus size models. And I liked it. Uh, and then I was asked to do some more things and then I went over to the UK and um, I trained I, I went over there first as a visitor and then I trained to become a model coach so that was for top model worldwide and I came back here and I had started doing top model here that's the TV program it's like the TV program yeah. and they have competitions around the world they have a franchise okay, yeah. as well for models but what I discovered from that was was that the whole search for modelling you know is all well and good but it goes so against everything that I believe in. And what I realised was these girls wanted to be validated and they wanted to be seen and they were using their bodies instead of their minds. So tell me, Audrey, how did you end up then in the modelling industry? industry? Okay. Well, when I went and I uh, studied with Top Model, I came back and it was a model search competition. That's what the franchise was for. So we started this model search competition and it was fantastic and everyone enjoyed it. The girls loved it. Guys loved it. It was amazing. But it was totally against, I suppose, my core values and what I believe myself. So I developed a program then. And this is why we've changed now when we decided to call it Model Life. Because the whole idea now is that we're working from the inside out. Yeah. 
So because these young people are looking for validation and looking for, I suppose, they're looking to work in an industry where, you know, people are looking at them and things like that. We really want them to be able to look at themselves and validate themselves and not need so much attention from other people. So we're not saying modelling is bad. We're not saying being out in the public eye is bad. But what we are saying is that if you really want the answer to a question, you have the answers inside of you. And if you really want to be successful in your chosen career, regardless of what that career is, you know, a good self-worth, self-esteem, confidence is very, very, very important. So that's now what we do. We build from the inside out. I think it's it's important because it's it's what what we we perceive ourselves to be is who we are. So mm. everybody in the world has a self-image of who they are. And that self-image then, they project into the world. Yeah. And if someone is coming into your industry, are they lacking self-esteem because they're getting into the industry? Or do they see it as, as like we spoke about this before, do they see it as an industry or do they just see it as something, a glamour? A bit of everything. Some people see it as a bit of glamour. Some people see it as something they would like to do because they want to be in the public eye. Some people do it because they would like the validation of other people. Uh, Some people see it as a stepping stone into maybe acting or singing or something else. And then some people haven't really thought about it and just see their friends doing it and think this is going to be easy. So you kind of have a combination of a lot of people. But what's in common with an awful lot of them is, is that, well, what's in common with human beings, not just in this industry, is that people are not validating themselves and asking themselves the question enough of who am I and what do I want to be? See, if you look at like the TV show Top Model, it's all about editing, you know, and people feed on these TV programs of negative, you know, know, and Top Model shows them all to be bitches and all, you know, fighting for each other. Yeah. I've, not that I've watched the show. No, but you know, the industry in general, you're you're 100% yeah, right yeah. in that in the industry itself, it's dog eat dog. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're trying to change that. And I, I think, and you, I think you'll agree that although I'm using the medium of, of models uh, in any industry, you know, when, when you deal with somebody who has high self-worth, they collaborate better with other people and they lose the need to control everything and they're, they're better team players and they get better results. When you discover who you are, everything around you changes. Yeah. And that's, that's it. And I only really discovered who I was the last four or five years and even probably getting back into the last two three years or I could if I really thought about it sooner mm. but once it is it's liberating yeah and if I realised what I know now that if I knew all this in my 20s my life would have been totally different even if you knew a little bit of it in your a 20s a little bit well it wouldn't because I, I, I wouldn't change anything that's happened in my life yeah but I would have been smarter I well, feel it would have like been probably, easier it would have been easier yeah yeah, it yeah. would have been easier. Yeah. I think that it, even if you went on the same path, you wouldn't have stressed about so many things. You would have yeah. stressed less and worried less about about what other people think. And, you know, you would you would have really asked yourself, how important is this going to be in the greater scheme of things? You don't ask yourself that when you're when you're very young. No, you don't. Are you, are you teaching your children this? Like I have kids and I'm trying to teach them but I find it very hard to teach them as well because it's 
they're not getting it. Do you know yeah. that right? Or are they just picking it up from you to doing it on a day to day basis? I think I think no matter what words come out of your mouth when you have kids, um, it's that whole monkey see, monkey do. I think when your children see you working, they know but they learn a good work ethic. And when they see you living comfortably and they see self acceptance in you, they accept themselves more also. Yeah. So I think that monkey see, monkey do, and that you are teaching your children by example. Do you have a daily ritual? I meditate. So I would spend a couple of minutes and a few minutes in the morning being grateful. Uh, I'm always grateful. I, I would practice a lot of gratitude. Uh, I would always make a, a conscious decision every day to be thankful and grateful for what is working in my life and the people that are in my life. I like to read. I like to learn new things and I also make a conscious efforts to spend my time with people who are similar and to spend time with people who are more interested in personal development or <clears throat> that are interested in, I suppose, improving the lives of everybody around them. So I, I, I tend that I wouldn't really, I, I never smoked. I didn't have my first alcoholic drink till I was in my 30s, so I wouldn't be a big drinker. So I find now that the people around me are not big drinkers or smokers or party people. And I, I tend to have a quieter bunch of people around me. So I suppose I make conscious decisions or conscious efforts uh, to spend time with people who are more like me. Yeah, that's funny. I gave up drink about three, four months ago. Just said I'd just really? give it up. And I've no I've no inkling to go back on it again. And yeah. I actually drink non alcoholic beer because I realise I like the taste. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, it's weird. It's I haven't given it up. I just don't do it very no, often. But that's, yeah, it wasn't a big booze. Yeah. Right now, in my 20s, I remember going out on, on a Saturday night and drinking 20 points of Guinness. So yeah, I didn't do that. So yeah, I, so. I probably didn't have it to give up. <laughs> <laughs> eating, eating, mm. eating feck all and drinking. But, but, yeah, but no, do you no. find then, you know, not drinking <clears throat> and not being out partying, that the people that you're spending your time with, they're a different type of person? No, because, no, because I'm, the people that I'm close to and speak to, we've all levitated to a certain level. There is people that I haven't had the time to communicate with, yeah. but other people have come in and out. It's, I think everyone comes into your life at a period of time for you to either learn from them or them to learn from you. Yeah, and I then agree. when that when that part, we both have got something, you'll then mm. drift away. Yeah, 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 I agree. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's that. what's what's what it's the it's the life journey. It yeah. is a life journey on it. So you you you've now fast forward now. You're in you're in the industry. You've set up this organisation or a business to help young women. Yeah. Within an industry that isn't regulated. Yeah. To be safe. Safety is so important. It's so important because people don't realise <clears throat> when you set up a Facebook page, you can be anybody. Um, if you set up as a photographer or as an agency or anything, the two of us could decide tomorrow that we're going to be rocket science scientists. Again. And we could set up a page tomorrow, the Audrey and Joe rocket scientists um, from Dublin. And who's to say that we're not? Yeah. So the point is that young girls in particular 
they don't know. They know people through Facebook or through Instagram and they don't realise that the industry is not regulated. You know, you're not going somewhere where people are guarded vetted. Uh, some people use their real name, some people don't. Some people have no skills or experience and they're putting themselves out as photographers when, when they're not experienced photographers at all. So the quality of those pictures uh, is that, you know, some of them are not great. So if somebody's serious about becoming a model, they don't know what they're doing. So they're starting as a model with little skill. They're getting their pictures taken by somebody with little skill. The pictures are not great. They have no control. They can't squash those pictures and say, those pictures have done nothing for me. They're not going to do me any favours in my future. So I don't want them shown. Tough. Time for pictures means, you know, you've given your time to see a set of pictures that you can share on the internet. You don't own those pictures or the rights to them. So there's a lot of pictures out there that, you know, that you might not be happy with or you wouldn't be happy with your family seeing. So you you have no control over where they go or what happens to them. So it's very important that as, as teenagers or as young people or even as parents, that when your children are, you know, your teenagers are getting photographs or they're doing photo shoots, that you have control over those pictures or where they're going to go. So you need to learn all these things and a lot of a lot of girls when they're coming into the industry they don't know that they don't know the best makeup or makeup artist they don't know what hairstyle is going to suit them the best they don't have their own style so fashion you know they don't have their photography style they don't have the experience uh, they, they'll go and do a charity show and the person showing them how to walk on the catwalk has no real training you know they're not really learning how to walk properly pose properly turn so they think they know everything because they've done a couple of photo shoots through Facebook and a charity fashion show but they haven't and they're, they're getting no personal development out of that and they're not actually learning anything so it's really about teaching teaching people how to to train themselves if you were going to be a doctor or you were going to be a solicitor or you were going to work anywhere even if you're going to work down in the local drone stores or Tesco's they take you in for a training day to teach you how to pack the shelves or how to actual yeah, customers at a till it's like I say would you would you would you rather have a trained surgeon operate on you or a born surgeon you don't have a trained one I'd rather have a trained one yeah, yeah isn't yeah, it yeah. and and modeling or any industry is the very same if you're even learning how to put makeup on you will go to a makeup school and you will learn how to apply makeup correctly so that your photographs are good yeah so, so there's so many things that, you know, people don't think about it because it's modelling. They think, oh, just stand there for five hours. It'll be fine. Or walk up and down the line. It's fine. Yeah, no, there's a whole system. Of there's a whole system. And learning, you know, what suits you. And then because models now are all shapes, all sizes, it's really about learning what are your best features? What, what have you got to offer? How can you portray yourself in the modelling industry? What is going to be the best opportunities for you? And then how to get them and how to turn that into a job that will actually pay you. Would you say you're the go-to person in the industry? You know, Is there a go-to person in the industry? I think I'm the only person who's training people in, in this way in the industry because I think there's other people training people technically that are quite good, uh, but they're just training in technical skills. There are some good agents out there. Uh, just because you're with that agency doesn't mean you're going to get work, but there are some good agents. There are some good trainers. But I don't know if there's anybody who's doing it ethically from the inside out and that's building confidence and self-esteem and but, looking at the bigger picture. But that's the importance because once you start doing something of because of your values and you care about it, yeah. you'll move further than if someone was just doing it for the money. Yeah, I, then I, I suppose then I would be because 
from being, I suppose, a woman myself that was once upon a time a teenager and a young woman yeah. and then as a mother. So, I mean, I have children, like my youngest child is five. I have teenagers. You know, my eldest child is almost 28. So from a female perspective and a mother's pers- perspective, safety, self-esteem, confidence is far more important to me than anything else and then after that then the technical skills and then the ability to go and turn it into a job or do something but for me it's far more important that these people learn value learn learn the technical skills and learn to value themselves and learn how to say no I'm not comfortable with that photograph I'm not taking off any more clothes this is not what suits me this is not the style of shoot that I want it's about learning and and here's the shocking thing I was working off the UK statistics because uh, the Irish statistics hadn't been released in a few years but earlier in the year the Irish Rape Crisis Centre uh, released a report 75% of Irish teens do not know boundaries for personal safety. So 75% of teenagers, boys and girls, do not know, and this is the boys as well, as well as the girls, do not know if they have raped somebody or have been raped or have taken advantage of somebody sexually. 75%. And this figures is in and around the same percentage of teenage girls under the age of 15 or 16 who are sending naked photographs to people in their class. So for me, as a mother... I would prefer my child to learn how to model safely, how to strut their stuff on a catwalk, looking hot, looking fantastic, feeling good in themselves in a very safe, controlled environment rather than taking naked photographs and sending them to their friends. So Instagram and Facebook and social media, our kids are living on them every day. So they need to learn how to use the internet safely and learn how to use social media as a very positive tool instead of something that can be turned into a bullying tactic or into taking away some of their innocence. Do you know, I'm just going to jump back to the 50s and 60s, yeah. right? And you know there was these schools to be the proper... Finishing schools. Finishing schools. Yeah, you know, uh, modern day finishing modern, school. Yeah, yeah. When I left school, all you know, it's a bit stereotype. But friends of mine went to secretarial college. Yes, you know, and God, they're the only ones I know to this day that can do shorthand. So yeah. it's a gift that I wish I could have. My shorthand just looks like a scribble. <laughs> but but you know, we had them, and they were you know, people going, "Oh my God, they were how outdated." But what you're doing. It's an education in the 24th century. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. It's, look, cop on, or if you're not, don't be naive, or let me give you empowerment. That's it. See, as parents, we don't like to think of our teenagers growing up, and we don't like to think of what's out in the big bad world. And we'd like to keep them innocent, and we'd like to wrap them up. And then we hear stories about other teens that horrify us. And I think what I do really is, it's like an insurance policy. For, for parents it's an insurance policy to to make them think and to make them ask questions and to validate themselves and ask themselves the right questions and grow because even if they decide at the end of it all that they're not going to be models when they go to speak in their classroom full of people and give that presentation or they want to go and interview for college or they want to go and interview for a job or they want to do anything else they have that confidence to own the space that they stand in and to shine in a very positive way in a room full of people. So it's training of how they're going to hold themselves in that space for the future. Yes. And what age do you work with? Anything from age 13 right up to the oldest model I had um, was on RTE and uh, she was in her early 80s. 
a woman from Waterford. Uh, so I work with all ages. It's not just the majority, I'd say 50, 60 percent of what I work with are teenage girls. But but I work with all ages. And I think as well that even for older women who've been at home with children, and when I say older women, I mean when you're not a teenager anymore. Uh, I think that, you know, even there's a lot of women out there who have either got married, had children, have been at home for a few years and they don't know where to start in the workplace or they don't know what their skills are or what to do. And even if they have a dream or an idea, they don't have the confidence to go out there and put themselves forward in their own right. So something like this gives them that confidence to move forward, to move forward in in a fun and friendly and safe way. What's the future for you? The future uh, to, I suppose, help more people, empower more people. And hopefully, you know, it's like everything that you do. If you help a few people, you're absolutely thrilled. If you help lots of people, you know, you're ecstatic. So I think if you help one person, if you help, help one person, person it's making a difference. That helps one person. Yeah. And, and that's it. It's a pay it forward for everyone I help. You would like to think that they're going out and helping somebody else. Yeah, it's a knock on effect on it. What's the best business advice you've ever received? Listen to your gut. Mm, yeah. Because I've never done things in the right way. I've never done things. I mean, I would be the queen of what not to do. You know, I've I've always done things and learned as I learned as I went. Trusting your gut. Trusting your gut. Mm, it's yeah. Not, it's trust. It's trust. Inner, inner, deep inner trust. We are going to fall. How many times are we going to fail in a lifetime? Loads of times. You know, you're, we're going to do that. <laughs> but but learn from it. Yeah. And then don't repeat the same thing again. And then hopefully sometimes or some someday you find the right thing. I think we're as people, we're always going to evolve in, in our personal lives and in our business lives. We're always going to evolve. Yeah. And we're always going to use those skills in, in many different ways. But I, I think that acceptance is really the bottom line and the words that I would, would use to my, as my core value that every single person on the planet just wants to be accepted accepted as in their body to be accepted as it is their heart to be accepted their spirit their mind we just want to be accepted and to be accepted by the outside world has to begin with self-acceptance well that's it I think it's only and that's really the bottom line of what I'm about and where I'm coming from what book then would you recommend for someone to read what age and you know I mean what what See, I have lots and lots of books. Okay, what's the best business book you've ever read? Probably Think and Grow Rich. The the oldest, the classic. The oldest classic. (laughs) The oldest classic. Anything recommended by Oprah Winfrey is always good. It's always good on it. Do you know, there's a book, I don't think it's printed anymore. It was uh, Cherie Carter Scott. It was the very first personal development book type that I ever read. And I'd seen it on Oprah in about, I think it was about maybe 2003 or four. And it was, if life is a game, these are the rules. Interesting. Yeah. The the um Wallace Wallets. Wallace Wallets. Oh yeah. yeah. That that was uh He was Wallace what, what was uh, I actually was Think and Grow Richard, but it was a different version of it. It was a it different was, version. Yeah. It was uh I have it at home. I have it, yeah, I've given it to someone to end on it. Really, yeah. 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 Yeah, no, I do. Last, I've found tw- 22 books last year. I'm a bit behind this year. I've only probably am on my 10th book at the moment. I, I think any book that's going to make you feel better or you're going to learn from is good. And actually, it's not personal development as such, but it is um, a book uh, for anybody. I think a lot of people hold their stress in their body. Yeah. 
I think that illness and pain uh, in your body is very often uh, the universe's way of telling you you're not dealing with something or to, you know, to look at your mind and your body and your, your connection with yourself. And one of the most recent books that I've read is uh, Chronic Pain, The Drug Free Way. And that's by Phil Sizer. And that at the moment is my favourite book because it really is an easy read about, um, I suppose, your mind-body connection but Absolutely, living yeah. in, a, in a drug-free or a healthy way you know it's about how your body copes and how your body deals with things and you know I think that having that mind-body connection that to really go forward in life you need the connection between your mind your body your health that's what Joe Dispenza's shouting about and you know Greg Braden and all, you know there's a lot yeah. of people and it is mind and body it is it's because it's all connected you can't what be one without learn? the other what did we learn 20, 30 years ago when your mother would say mind over matter. Mind over matter. You'd be better before you're twice married. <laughs> yeah, on it. What song would you like us to play out with? Today? Oh, George Michael. George Anything George. I love, absolutely adore George, George Michael. Michael. Where can people find you if they want to reach out? Facebook is the best because even though people go and they email websites and that's all great, um, I think Facebook is still the way of everybody to find. So Order O'Neill or Professional Model Life. They will, they will find me. As well. I have a web. I've actually a new website coming. That that's my own website, and uh, the website for for my pain group, uh, fibromyalgia.ie. Uh, I have that then with, with some other people. So uh, Emma Seagrave and John Lindsay, uh, Michael um, or William McLaughlin. So they are all in that group with me. So we have fibromyalgia.ie, and then my own website for model life uh, is coming soon. Or else just contact me through Facebook or LinkedIn or. Instagram wherever you find yeah, know, everywhere Audrey O'Neill Audrey yeah thank you for coming on to Break Two Brands thanks for having me it was a pleasure